1: I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends? I'm just trying to save you some money. My job is to entertain but more importantly to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. How worried should you be? Nine business days ago, the legendary Warren Buffett talked on CNBC about the greatness of America and the power of long-term investing. He explained stocks We're still the best assets. He pointed out that even if you bought and held during the financial crisis in 2008, the worst possible time, you're up big now. But since Buffett made that call two weeks ago, the S&P 500 is down roughly 10 percent. Thanks, in part, to another brutal session with the Dow plunged 970 points, S&P plummeted 3.39 percent, and the Nasdaq nosedived 3.10 percent. Buffett always says that you should be fearful when others are greedy. And be greedy when others are fearful. In October of 2008, he published a now legendary op-ed piece in the New York Times titled, Buy American, I Am. As the Oracle explained, and I quote, I haven't the faintest idea as to whether stocks will be higher or lower a month or a year from now. What is likely, however, is that the market will move higher, perhaps substantially so, well before either sentiment or the economy turns up. So if you wait for the Robins, spring will be over, end quote. Now, a lot of people uh, think that was a pretty prescient piece, incredibly prescient. There's one problem. Buffett published that editorial on the morning of October 16th of 2008, when the Dow Jones Industrial Average stood at 8,577. It then actually tumbled to 6,547 five months later. That was the actual bottom. That's a 23% decline. Now, some could be critical of that. Because uh, that drop, well, it's not unlike the drop we're maybe having right now since he spoke to Becky Quick a week ago last Monday. Maybe that's the process. Maybe that's even further along. But hold your horses or your bears or whatever and go back over Warren's words again. He wasn't even trying to call short-term botting when he wrote that piece. He disparaged the very idea of doing so. Instead, he related that moment to past bottoms, like when we troughed in 1933, or when we looked like we might lose World War II in April 1942, pointing out that in every case, stocks bottomed before the actual situation improved. Then he lists a series of negatives we ultimately triumphed over. There's oil shocks, wars, Nixon's resignation, multiple recessions. Even a flu epidemic, which is a good jumping off point for today, because we're at the beginning of something similar to a flu epidemic, and the experts say it cannot be controlled. You hear it, you read it, I do too. Now, I don't know if they're right. I have my own views about what needs to happen. Say what you want about authoritarians who run the People's Republic of China. Their heavy-handed quarantine is working. This would be a good time to close schools, shut down foreign travel, maybe even needless domestic travel for all I know. And certainly, by the way, cruises... But at the end of the day, I'm not a public health expert. I'm a stock market expert. And when the market's getting hammered, I like to remember what Buffett wrote in 2008 because back then, the solvency of our banks, of our actual financial system was in question. Back then, prominent mainstream economists, and I've read them and read them and read them at the time, were saying we might need to nationalize the banks in order to save them. Yet the government wasn't just slow to act. It was downright negligent. Policymakers, what were they doing? Well, they were paralyzed. They know they know nothing! They know nothing! Arguing that it was illegal to take strong action, but the moral hazard of bailing out the banks was too great. Better to let the whole system collapse. Even after Congress bit the bullet and passed a $700 billion bailout, the situation was looking grim, it, until it wasn't. In March of 2009, Fed Chief Ben Bernanke took bold action, saying he wouldn't let any more banks go under, something he should have done a lot sooner, but better let it than never, right? Now, because of tough regulation like nowhere else in the world and prudence, our banking system is the envy, the envy of the world, capable of handling far more stress than it could back then. And I believe then it is able to, I think it can handle it now. This time around, though, we have a twofold problem. It's not really related to the banks, even though they act terribly. First, will the travel and leisure companies or even some mobile based retailers actually survive? Judging by today's action, the market thinks that's an open question. Same goes for companies that thrive on people gathering together in large groups. Not going to happen during this epidemic. Each day, each day, more and more gets canceled. The second issue is more straightforward. Will you survive? As in, should you just stay home to avoid getting sick? For this, we only have statistics. And the survival stats are actually quite good for most of the population, except for people who are immunocompromised and the elderly, especially older people who are already in rough shape. And those numbers are bad. OK, let's just call it what it is. They're bad in aggregate. Now, as I walk through downtown today from the exchange to my office, what do I see? I saw carefree people on a beautiful day, strolling around, smiling and laughing. And I think to myself, don't they know what's coming? Haven't they read about the state of Washington where certain areas almost seem like uh Wuhan? I mean, don't they know about the yield of the 10-year Treasury hitting record lows? Haven't they heard about the transports? The transports, for heaven's sake. Will they ever be foolish enough to take a cruise again? And Here's where I come out. One, there may not be any way to contain the scourge, at least not in democracy. Two, some of us will indeed get sick. I hope it isn't you. I hope it isn't me. And a small percentage will pay the ultimate price for shaking hands with the wrong person. But three, the idea that there's no hope for treatment, that there's nothing to arrest the most serious cases, well, that seems wrong headed to me. Once you go there, you're betting against the smartest people in the world. feels like a sucker's bet to me. Even as I worry for myself, for my family, for my friends, I'm not willing to bet against American scientists. I have way too much respect for the people who develop medicines in this country and routinely save lives when we were told over and over again they couldn't be saved. Even in, the, in most of your lifetimes, when AIDS was raging, for example, that went from a sure death sentence to a chronic disease. Miracle? No brain power, including the brain power of the most important person heading up this fight against this virus, Dr. Tony Fauci. Respect him. Which brings me back to Buffett's words. Where are we in the market right now? Well, we're down a little more than 10 percent from the high. It's actually not down that much. It's painful. I know, especially if you bought it at the high, but it's a much more decline than we've experienced when Buffett told you to buy America in October of 2008. If you want to sell some stock in the next bounce, and there will be a next bounce like we had yesterday. You know my blessing? Buffett was early last time. He's probably early this time. Oh, there's nothing wrong with keeping more cash on the sidelines. Right now, cash is king until, of course, when it will become pawn again. I recognize the fragility of this moment for those uh, who, who pick stocks. This is a time to own what have i been recommending, gold, some good staples, mainly food, definitely drugs, some utilities like American Electric Power, which is on the show tonight. But I also think that it's awfully hard to time a bottom here. While I don't actually think that we're all that close if things keep getting bad, I also don't want to wait too long to put that cash to work. I never like conflating real life and money. But from a financial perspective, the system's a lot stronger than it was in 2008. So if you sell everything, I'm not sure you'll be able to nimble enough to get back in a lower level. I bet you feel real good for a couple of days. I will say this. If you're worried about yourself, your physical self, you shouldn't have to worry about your money, too. Certainly, if holding onto stocks makes you more uneasy about real life, then ring the register on some of your positions for the moment, even if you have to pay some taxes. That's not worth the agenda. But the bottom line, I'm going with Warren Buffett. He was dead right in 2008. Even if his timing, let's just say, was ill advised, maybe left a little bit to be desired, I think he's going to turn to be right this time too. Oh, we don't know the time. We don't know the level. The disarray is palpable. But as the Oracle of Omaha always says, be greedy when others are fearful. Just please, if you're going to buy, buy gradually on the way down. Be mindful of those nice people out there strolling in the sun today who don't even know to be fearful. And the tens of millions of people just like them. Corey in Rhode Island. Corey. Hey, Jim. Quick question for you regarding Microsoft. Um, If it continues to take a dip, do you think it's worth buying a dip? I think when you buy a company like Microsoft with, with uh, Saudi Nadella at the helm and you get it, say it's 166, let's say you wanted to buy 100 shares and you buy 25 shares tomorrow and you buy it on a scale down, I think you'll look back a, you know, a couple years from now and say, wow, I took advantage of one of the few real deep declines. Ravi in Pennsylvania. Ravi. Hey, Jim. Love your show. Thanks for taking my call. Oh, thank you. What's going on?
2: What you on booking, Jim? Uh, and I know it's been a
1: big hit since the coronavirus scare, and it's near its 52-week low, and I have a substantial position. Which one was it? Oh, BKNG? No, I mean, that's kind of... Look, I'm, uh, I'm a huge believer in buying uh, what I think is down a lot that is not in the blast zone, and you're buying the so-called blast zone with that, and there's no need to. Why? Why take? Why take on the hardest... When there are lots of very good yielding stocks that I think are, um, let's just say, allow you to sleep better at night. All right, as the Oracle of Omaha says, be greedy when others are fearful. And that is worth repeating, especially on a day like today. Oh, man, money tonight, I'm talking retail in the time of the coronavirus. What determines the trajectory of the sector? I'll tell you why it all comes down to the truth. And the market faced another dramatic sell off today, but I'm on one stock that managed to end in the green. Don't miss my exclusive with Sangamo. And with utilities on pace for the best week ever, how is a company like American Electric Power faring? I'm talking to the CEO,
0: Stay with Don't miss a
1: second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney
0: at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
1: This volatility is unheard of, people. Use it to reevaluate your portfolio.
2: You're the best. Thank you very much for your show and advice throughout the years.
1: We have your back, and we will get through it together. Thanks for always being willing to stick your neck out and give us your honest, informed opinion. I want you to know we appreciate you trying to help us out. I am there for you, all right? These times, I am playing for you. You get every bit of my knowledge. I'm just trying to do my best for you. We always get through these together. Will this time be any different? You want to win in retail? You need to be off price or online. Everything else is in trouble, especially in this post-coronavirus world where things are getting a whole lot tougher for the whole industry. Take today, it's a company called Burlington Stores. I don't know if you shop there. I kind of like it. It reported a great quarter, although its stock ended up closing down slightly thanks to the gravitational pull of averages. But Burlington, a classic off-price chain, put up 3.9% same-store sales growth. Wall Street was only looking for 29 That's a major beat. They want some margin expansion and the promise of more down the road. And you know Burlington's got a bright future, even if the next few months might be difficult for the whole industry. It's a buy. On the other hand, there's Kohl's, a more traditional brick-and-mortar chain with an online strategy that's just not as good as Target or Walmart. Kohl's delivered an inline quarter and boosted the dividend. But after rallying ever so briefly, the stock started falling like a rock, including a brutal 6% decline just today. At these levels, the darn thing sports an 8.25% yield. Typically, that would signal that the payout may be in danger, but they just raised the dividend 5%. How is that possible? Simple. Because Kohl's is neither off-price nor truly online. So its stock goes begging, even if it's not financially distressed. And it's not. Hey, same goes for Macy's, at least when it comes to the numbers here recently. It's the department store has been shedding assets, closing unprofitable locations, paying down debt, even developing their own off-price chain called Backstage, Well, cash, you know, the cosmetics boom with blue mercury. And what does that get you? Nothing but losses for those who own the stock. Macy's has fallen so far, it now is a 13% yield, which is the market's way of telling you that CEO Jeff Gannett needs to cut the dividend. Would he do that to preserve the cash, even though the company's profitable? Maybe. Certainly not in the plan. What matters again, though, is that Macy's is considered to be a full-price brick-and-mortar business in an online, off-price world. Worse, it's mall-based in most of the country and tourism-based in New York. Those two millstones are the last thing a portfolio manager wants hanging around her neck with this virus sweeping the nation. Okay, now contrast that with Walmart. It's got an extraordinary off-price and online strategy that seems to be working. Walmart stock barely got dinged today, down less than a percent. It gives you everything that a stock picker would write, right now it's a double play. Of course, there's some hybrids, too. I like CVS, not because of its drugstore, but because of its Aetna Health Insurance division that's looking a lot more attractive in a world where Joe Biden's the presumptive Democratic nominee. I don't like Walgreens, though, because it's just a drugstore. We own CVS for when You can follow what I say about CVS by joining the club. Kroger's another one that's working. Good numbers today. Really, the stock's surging 8%. I think Kroger's about as close to off price and online as an old line supermarket can be. Costco's results were awesome tonight, and that's the place to go if the market crumbles on COVID and COVID related fears. I'm sure there'll be some profit takers. It's been a horse. Finally, there's the old man hybrid, the dollar stores. Dollar General's been one of the best performers of our era. It's incredibly well run and keeps expanding where there's little competition. Dollar General's off price for certain. I like the model, I like the company. But then there's Dollar Tree. Uh, we had them all last night. These guys used to be the king of the dollar sources where I shop until they bought the undermanaged family dollar five years ago. Since then, it's been Rocky's old get out. The stock's down about two bucks since the deal closed. During that exact same period, Dollar General's nearly doubled. Is it time, therefore, to take your profits in Dollar General and plow them into Dollar Tree? Not yet. For now, this is strictly a show-me story, as Dollar Tree CEO Gary Philbin acknowledged on last night's show right here. Companies' dependence on China is causing real supply chain disruption. Uh, Of course, there's also tariffs issues, and that the coronavirus has shut down vast spots of the Chinese economy. It's not good for them. That said, the dollar stores are certainly the right concept. And if Dollar Tree gets it right, well, you could have a huge gain. But that still needs to be proved, so stay on the sidelines for now. The bottom line, if you want to succeed in retail, you need to fully commit to off-price or online. Everything else is going to have a much harder time in general, especially in the middle of a possible pandemic. And remember, it has more to do with the buyers not wanting these stocks than it does necessarily with how the companies are doing. OK, I want to go to Lee in New York. Lee.
0: Hey, Jim. Booyah. How are Booyah. you? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing great. I, uh, I want to put you on the phone. With my son, he's got an, uh, a question for you. Yeah, you I, go. Uh, We watch you guys every night, and uh, I I try to teach them the importance of investing at a young age, like you always preach. Um, Here's my son. Hold on. Okay, thank you.
1: Booyah, Jim. Booyah, partner. What's going on? This is Lou Jr. from New York. I'm 11 years old, and I watch Mad Money every night with my dad. I love your show. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. What's going on, friend? I want to buy my first stock, and my question is about... Video games. I play FIFA, Madden, and NHL. Made by the company Electronic Arts. Symbol EA. With the market going up and down every day, do you think it is a buy? This got horse sense. Uh, I like EA. Actually, candidly, I like Take-Two better. I like Alchemism better. But you know what? You like the games. You know them. And and that is something that people are going to do. Stay at home. These stocks have been acting very well. I was going to recommend the group again today. So I bless EA. And thank you for the call. Like that kid. Need an assistant right now. Let's go to Will in Georgia, please. Will. Hey, Jim. You're a gentleman and a scholar. Oh, boy. My dad always said that to real nice guys. What's going on? My call is regarding the retail
2: pharmacy stocks. And by the way, I do own CVS. So, year to date, CVS is down 15%. Walgreens down 20%. And Rite Aid is
1: up 14%. I have two questions. Sure. First. How on this green
2: earth is Rite Aid up 14% when less than a year ago their stock was at 69 cents and the company did a 20 to 1 reverse split just to avoid being delisted? And they only have
1: 2,000 stores where CVS and Walgreens have more than 10,000 stores each. Do you recommend buying the stock, Jeff? Well, what's happened is that so many people are betting against it that when it turned out to have a pulse – they had to go cover, and they're still doing so. Look, I, I'm stuck with quality. I, I, CBS is higher quality, right? Aid, but I understand if, if someone wants to speculate the right aid, they have my blessing. I don't like my right aid very much, including my pharmacist. How about we go to Jeff, also in Georgia? Jeff. Hey, Jim! Booyah! Cha-cha. Booyah! Booyah! <laughs> Hey, uh, uh, with a good-looking dividend, I'm interested in your analysis of uh, big lots. Man, they missed so bad. They missed that quarter, and it was disappointing. I got retailers like a Walmart that haven't been missing, or a Costco, by the way. It's important this evening. And if that stock comes down, it's on profit-taking, and that could be a great place to go. We have to what I call high-grade our portfolios in this time of turmoil. Memo to retailers if you want to win. Commit to off-price or online. Everything else, uh, just say it's suspect. Much more have money at, including my exclusively one of the few stocks that actually ended up today. Don't miss my sit-down with Sangamo. Then, as coronavirus panic spreads, and it is, my one-stock many uh, turns you in a panic. Remember, panic's not a strategy, but they do go to Generac first. After another tumultuous week for this market, I'm taking all your calls in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This volatility is unheard of, people. Use it to reevaluate your portfolio. You're the best. Thank you very much for your show and advice
2: throughout the years.
1: We have your back, and we will get through it together. Thanks for always being willing to stick your neck out and give us your honest, informed opinion.
2: I want you to know we appreciate you trying to help us
1: out. I am there for you, all right? These times, I am playing for you. You get every bit of my knowledge. I'm just trying to do my best for you. We always get through these together. Will this time be any different? No. It is time to start with the light round. out. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski Daddy? Time for the lightning round. Come on, let's start with Sean in Virginia. Sean. Booyah,
0: Jim.
1: Thanks for taking my call. Booyah. Um, So I had a holding in my portfolio. they have been on your show a few times, Nutanix, ticker symbol NTNX. I bought high and low for an average of about $36 per share. And I have a pretty long time horizon. Okay. You're going to need a long time horizon for that because they missed their quarter very, very badly. And it's not like it's just a situation like it's a Dexcom or something where there's uh, use for the product no matter what. I just picked Dexcom as that's an example of a stock that holds up rather well. Let's go to Carol in, in New York. Carol. Hi, Jim. Um, first, I just want to say that I, um, I think it's likely that you will have saved lives by talking about your virus preparations here and on Squawk. So stay well. Um, now my stocks. Um, I have nearly seven percent of a ten percent gold target. The okay. larger part is the larger part is GLB from about twenty five years ago and more okay. recently I've been buying only there. Is Panco Nevada a good company? Oh, I to like add? Franco Nevada very, very much. It really is in my sweet spot. Thank you for those very kind comments by what I'm trying to do. I'm tired of this sweet fifteen stuff. But you know what? You got to do it because I do it for you, okay? And I think I think is a good stock. Greg, in California, Greg.
2: Hey, a big booyah, Jim, for my late father Tim, who was an avid fan of your show.
1: Oh, that's so nice. Oh, geez, I wish I'd met him. Glad he liked the show.
2: <laughs> he loved it. And my question about Shockwave Medical and what you think about their wine I like that. Software. I like
1: devices here. I've been saying that devices are the right place to be. I just actually referenced XCOM. I'm just. I think medical devices. Gold, pharmaceutical, very good, especially when they're down. Richard in Illinois. Richard! Richard? Yes, sir. You're up, Richard. It's Jim. You got him. I'm sorry. Can you speak a little louder? Sure. It's Jim. You have Jim on the phone. Hello? Okay, this is an ill-advised situation. I think we should go to Scott, frankly, in Texas. Scott! Yes. Hi, Jim. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Big fan. Thank you. Yeah, I was just calling about uh, service Now. I know you're a big fan of, uh, and of the And I company. am a I big fan, and I think that Bill McDermott is a bankable guy. Now, understand, even the best ones, like a Splunk, great quarter, down 14 today. Like a Costco, getting hit in the after hours. Anything can have a short-term problem, but I am with Bill McDermott. I am with ServiceNow. Let's go to Chris in Virginia, please. Chris. Hey, Jimmy, chill. Booyah. Oh, booyah, my friend. What's going on? Hey, I'm 33. I've been uh, watching your show since high school. You've really helped me uh, mold myself into a great investor. I'm I'm grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, I found a company that really should benefit from the secular uh, tailwinds of the growing ESG and indexing trends. What's your thoughts on MSEI? MSCI. MSCI is run by my good friend Henry Fernandez. He's a remarkable guy. I've been backing him. Yes, he's my friend. He's my friend from real life. He's my friend because he and his wife are good friends with me and my wife, and he does a remarkable job. I've been recommending his stock since I met him, and I'm sticking with it. I met him a long time ago. Charles in New Jersey. Charles.
0: Hello, Jim. Your insight, please, on BQ.
1: I got enough problems. This is a Chinese company, and I think that the Chinese market uh, let's just say I think it, uh, uh, how about it, lacks uh, a level of transparency that I like. Okay. Let's go to Rich in Florida, please. Rich. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Rich.
2: I've been watching you since the Cudlow days.
1: Oh, well, there you go. Hi to Larry. Doing hey. his best down there. What's going on? Now people are going to hate me I say he's doing his best, and I don't give a darn if you hate me. I like the With a money. price
2: target of 163 and an expected aerospace merger with Raytheon and a over 2% dividend. Tell me, buy, sell, or hold United
1: Technology. Okay, United Technology numbers are probably too high because of uh, Carrier and because of Otis. Uh, there have been a number of notes out about that. I do ultimately like the combination, but you're gonna, it's going to be a rocky situation. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
0: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: You know, I think this coronavirus outbreak is serious. Just look at the Dow, it's down nearly 1,000 points again today. But the turmoil over the last couple of weeks has taken up all the auction, making it hard to focus on some exciting stories that are in bull mode. Take Sangamo Therapeutics. It's an early-stage biotech focused on gene therapy, genome editing, and gene regulation. These are technologies that could potentially transform the entire healthcare industry regardless of corona. Now, late last week, Sangamo and Biogen announced that they partnered to develop gene regulation therapies for some terrible neuromuscular and neurological diseases, including Alzheimer's, maybe Parkinson's. Alzheimer's in particular is the white whale of the pharmaceutical industry. Nobody's come up with a workable cure yet. But if they do, it's going to be a game-changer. And that's why Sangamo stock jumped 28 percent last Friday when the news of these collaborations. And I bet it might have even further to go if things work out, obviously, if the the market were so awful. So let's dig deeper with Mr. Sandy McRae. He is the CEO of Sangamo Therapeutics to learn more about his company and the exciting new partnership with BioGen. Mr. McRae, welcome to Matt Money. Good afternoon. Okay, so, Sandy, just so you know, six years ago, we had uh, Sangamo on the show. And I kind of want to reintroduce your company, because it's been a long journey. What have you been up to?
0: So Sango is like two companies. As you say, we've been around for 25 years. But when we started, there wasn't even an ability to sequence a human genome. And in that time, Sango pioneered the first ever editing of human cells, the first ever editing in a human. And then I took over four years ago. And we're like a startup based on an old technology, and a technology that's proven and trusted.
1: Well, let's talk about the partnership that was taught that uh, you, you really as transformation partnership that was announced last week. It seems to me that you, one, kind of de-risked the company, but two, kept as much as, say, six billion dollars in upside if things work out. How did you get such a magnificent deal?
0: Um, it is a good deal. It's a really good deal. And it's easy to talk about the economics. But for a company like us, where we can um, change or, or interact with any part of your, your DNA, your human, your, the 20,000 genes that you have, we can't do it alone. And we don't have the biologists and, and doctors to take it forward. So what we like is that that's what Biogen's expert at. Right. They needed the technology that we could give. We needed the expertise that they could give. And it was a competitive process. So there was five companies involved in it. And that's what results in, in the economics that you see.
1: Now, a lot of this is upfront i mean you 're getting sometimes you see these deals and they sound big, but it 's really more in the ad years right up front, you got a lot didn 't you
0: yeah that 's remarkable. We get uh, one hundred and twenty five in upfront cash and then two hundred and twenty five in equity at a twenty five percent premium and that is really unusual for for two of the twelve assets that they 're licensing. We've done some work. The rest are just uh, genes that they would like us to look at. So this is a remarkable amount of money for things that we haven't even done any experiments on yet. But the reason for that is when, when all of the scientists from all of the companies came and they looked at our signs and they saw what we could do, they were so excited. And so it's a real validation of the, of the Sangamo platform. And, and I would argue an example of other deals that we will do.
1: I think it's important to point out, as it was in the conference call February 28th, that you are just now, uh, you will be recruiting patients throughout 2020. I think there was, uh, people were people under the impression that perhaps uh, it's already uh, started, but that's something that's ongoing right now, right? You'll be got an uh, institutional review board, and you're trying to figure out what the different protocols are.
0: So the the, uh, clinical studies for Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease will be run by Biogen, and those will happen um, uh, two or three years from now. So so these are preclinical assets. But Biogen are excited by the potential of this because what it does is it turns off what people believe is one of the most potential causes of Alzheimer's right at the source, right turns off the gene. And so uh, if this works, it offers great hope for the 5 million patients with Alzheimer's and the many patients with Parkinson's disease.
1: Uh, let me ask you something, Sandy. You, you know, obviously the whole country is is gripped and the whole world is gripped now with something that I, I know you're not the expert on, but, uh, which is this COVID-19. But the thing is, is that If you can work on the toughest thing that people have always said is no hope, which is on uh, for Alzheimer's. Don't you think it's possible that some of the great scientists in the world, you know, might be able to come up with something that makes it so that there are fewer deaths for this uh, influenza?
0: I I think that's a a very fair challenge. And I'm a doctor and I sit on the board of Bio, which is the the industry association of companies like ours. And we take it really seriously now. Our technology is not the right one for for this virus, and our job is to get out of the way and let others do it. But bio is taking it very seriously and applying all of our different technologies across the board in bio to try and find a way forward. Uh, Vaccines will be the way forward in the near term, but uh, applying the full innovation that is part of the American biotechnology uh, ecosphere is really important to, to help with this. All
1: right, well, I'm going to leave there it on that. There will be a solution. Okay, there will be a solution. I'm going to leave it on that because all day today and all day all last week, I've heard there can be no solution. And there's some, you're someone who is a lot more thoughtful about these issues than a lot of the people I talk to. Sandy McRae, Sangamo Therapeutics. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. Now I always say that it's impo- that it's possible to own something that could be very, very big. That's speculative. I'm the only person on TV or anywhere else that thinks that it's okay to put some of your money in speculation. You see why? Because somebody like Sandy McRae and a company like Sangamo Therapeutics, their money's speculation. another ugly session where we repealed most of yesterday's rebound, not all. Let's focus on one of the rare stocks that's working in this environment. I'm talking about Generac Holdings, a maker of energy equipment that you might recognize from its in-home power generators or these terrific ads I've been watching. When the averages were bouncing hard yesterday, Generac made a new all-time high at 118. Even if it's today's horrific sell-off, it's only pulled back to 116. In fact, the stock's still up 16% for the year. How the heck is that possible? Part because is the kind of name that you buy during a panic. Typically, it, it, it roars when we're worried about natural disasters like hurricanes. But if you're really freaked out about the coronavirus, I can see the appeal of having your own generator. On top of that, Generac just reported a phenomenal quarter a couple of weeks ago. Uh, last year, they made a couple of clean energy acquisitions. We got to talk about, think storage technology that makes solar power a lot more viable. And those storage systems are now selling like hotcakes. So, could this have one more upside? Let's take a look with Aaron Yagfeld, the Chairman and CEO of Genrec Holdings. Learn more about the company and prospects, Mr. Yagfeld, Welcome to Make Money. Thanks, Jim. Well, I have to tell you, uh, there are some mega trends out there. Right. And you and I are both aware of them. And you are playing into almost all the big mega trends we talk about. We'll give you the floor to
3: talk about. Yeah. So we see a number of things. First of all, the energy markets. Right. So this traditional utility model, right? the power comes yeah. from a power plant, goes hundreds of miles to your house. Uh, you pay for that. We have a utility company. Right. That's a it's a monopoly, basically. Right. You right. know what I mean? Choice we have American
1: Electric power. Right, right. right.
3: You don't have a choice in who the provider is. Right. You don't have a choice in what you pay for the, the power that you right. receive. You can maybe control some of the demand side of that, but mm-hmm. that model is going to change dramatically over the next 10 years. That's a $4 trillion industry, and that's going to change uh, in a big way. And we think that decentralized power generation, so rooftop solar, mm-hmm. storage, uh, maybe even using a gas generator like some of our legacy products right. to generate power, and then
1: store that power and then consume that power and use that power when and where you need it. Including I put, a solar, I put solar panels up, and I can get power and store it with a genera. Correct. And then use it when I want to? Correct.
3: So you can use that. That's right right, now. That's right now. That that launch, that product actually launched in December. So we we bought two companies last year Mm -hmm. and got into the space, spent over $100 million. We bought a company called Neuro Technologies and one called Pica Pica Energy. Mm -hmm. And these two, the combination of these two companies, we we introduced products that is a smart storage system. So think of it as like an appliance. Okay. So it's an appliance. You already have that solar if you have it or if you're going to add solar at some point. The problem with solar, if you don't have a battery, Solar is basically it's a one way trip. You're sending that power back to the grid. Right. So let's say you're in California and you have a problem like PG&E is created. Right. Right. So the power goes out and you have a solar system, but you don't have storage. Your lights are out. You might think, but, but I have I have solar. Right. Right. The sun's out. Why, why, why is why don't I have any power? But that's a one way trip. If you have a storage system, you can store that sunlight and you can use that battery to provide for resiliency if the grid goes down or you can consume that power at points in the day maybe when pg and e or some other utilities charging you a lot more off the grid right. and you can save that money so it's an energy savings appliance and
1: you but there's only really a, what one other company that does this i mean you guys are really we,
3: we are. We, we're, we think that uh, it's a pretty unique space for us. Right. We think our brand, you know, with, with our legacy products, which we've done great with, right? Right. the home standby generator category, we yeah, built with that. With
1: the grid being bad, my, many of my friends have it who are in the suburbs Absolutely. because it's unreliable. We exactly. never thought in our lifetime that the grid would be unreliable, but right.
3: it is. But it is. No, the, the grid reliability problem is, is real. Right? And people, right. people suffer through it. You suffer through outages a couple Yeah, we times just a accept
1: year. it. Every, we have to throw out everything in our refrigerators, right. and we accept the fact that if you're sick, there's really nothing you can do. Right. Uh, and that's not acceptable.
3: No, it's not. So we, we created a product category for right. that. Right. So you don't have to live through that. 20 years ago, we started that category. It's right. a billion dollar that. a year business now. Right? So it's, right. A, it's a huge business. We look at storage, and we see a lot of parallels in how that's going right. to grow over the next decade. We think that's another billion dollar opportunity for well, us. I mean,
1: I have to say one. Well, Candidly, kind of, I watched your out showed to my wife. And her, her reaction was the same as I was like, it can't be. That doesn't, that's snake oil.
3: How did you do it? Yeah. yeah it's, it's not snake oil. I can no. guarantee you that. No,
1: it's unbelievable. Happy to, happy to talk to, to anybody no, about no, that. No, no. I'm saying both yeah. of us were just, it's kind right. of astounding that yeah. someone could produce that machine. Right. It's so pretty you cool. bought the product. Right. You must have tested it over and over again realized it worked. Right. And, and it, this is available to me anyone who has a rooftop.
3: That's right. If you have a rooftop and you want to – if you want to have some more independence right. and flexibility with your energy needs, right? right, you want to reduce the cost. That's really what you want to do. And you want to add to – you're trying to be part of the solution, not part of the problem when it comes to climate change. Right. Right? So that's, that's the other mega trend that exists here is the conversation and the attitudes around climate change are real. Right? So, they, I mean, how have do denied. you keep
1: these in stock? I've got to believe that this is – uh, the demand for this is extraordinary. Yeah,
3: it's not a demand-side issue. It's a, it's right. a supply-side issue at this point. So right. ramping supply chain. Right. You know, our, our initial guidance when we bought those companies, right. we thought we'd do you know, 50 megawatts of, of, right. of backup power. It's 150 megawatts that we think we're going to do this year. So it's 3x wow. what we originally thought in our business case.
1: Now, in times of stress, in times of panic, obviously people reach for Genrec. Is, is the coronavirus that kind of panic? Um, You know, it's interesting
3: because you get people who are, they get concerned about everything, having having clean water, having, you know, access to food. They don't want to go out of the house. So they start thinking about this. What happens if... And so we have where, where the product starts to become popular when you get something like this is right. people who have additional use cases for the product or needs, right? So maybe they have a sick family member, right? right who
1: can't physically can't Which leave the house. Which unfortunately right? happens. That
3: happens. Older parents that live in the right. home, right? So they have situations where they want to keep people from being out of the house, right. and they're very concerned if they don't have a, a, a continuous supply
1: of well, power. That could be this one last question. Uh, I have, let's say I have a Tesla ideal, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it can sync with Tesla. Absolutely.
3: Now, Tesla would be a competitor to this, too. Their in power, that sense, yes. In that yes. sense, because they sell... A they have the wrong thing, right. But if you have an EV, if you have an electric vehicle, right. you think Let's about listen, this, right? right? If power is out, now you lose transportation. Right. So it's a very different thing oh, going absolutely. forward. Absolutely.
1: I know Tesla does have it, but they seem to de-emphasize. They, mm-hmm. You they guys, on the other hand, are ready. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. That's a terrific story. I'm glad, because I saw the ads. Wow, I got, I got GenRack on. That's Aaron Yagfeld. He's the chairman and CEO of GenRack. Look, I am a stock guy fascinated by great stories. Uh, I know that I also feel like I should get one of these memories back after the break. As the bond market takes control again, with the yield on the benchmark tenure... Trading, well, down at 0.91%. What the heck are you supposed to do if you're an investor who wants income? Bonds are safe, but they're paying you next to nothing. And while many stocks have big dividends, some of them are high riskier. So what's usually a safe place to put your money during a slowdown? utilities. Utilities like American Electric Power, AP is an Ohio-based utility that owns the largest power distribution network in the country, along with a bunch of power generation assets, including a growing portfolio of renewables. While the stock doesn't exactly have a monster yield here, of course, because the stock's going up so much, it's got a 2.8% payout. Well, let me just say it's a heck of a lot better than T-bills, which could be headed for negative rates and the economy's slowing. But do not take it from me. Let's check in with Nick Akins. He's the bankable chairman, president, CEO of American power. Get a read on how his business is doing and where it's headed. Mr. Akins, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Hi, Jim. Great to be with you again.
1: Well, it's great to be with you, Nick. Now, I tell people that they should be in AAP, as you know, I don't know, what, about 100 100 times a year, maybe more. And one of the reasons I do that is because when rates go down, and even if there's a little bit of slowing in the economy, you can still beat your numbers, which you have consistently— and I think people kind of just think it's magic, but it's actually the way you guys run the enterprise.
2: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I characterize it sort of as, as a variable fixed swap for our, for our shareholders. There's a lot of inputs that change, weather, investments, everything else. But in the end, uh, we wind up being very consistent from an earnings and dividend profile because of the kind of business that we're in, uh, plowing money to really invigorate our customer experience and improve the infrastructure that serves this nation.
1: Now, uh, there are some areas in your, uh, you know, in your coverage that are aware that they're not as strong as the GDP. And yet some people might think, well, wait a second, there's no way that Nick can make the numbers. He's actually a little bit below the GDP. In some areas, there's less industrial. How is the mosaic possible that you can beat numbers, even though you say yourself in your own documents that you're a little bit light of GDP?
2: I think you could translate it to the electrification of society. I mean, we see transportation growth with electric vehicles. We see obviously different sectors of the economy throughout this nation. We serve a large footprint. Of the nation, with a very diverse set of um, load profile characteristics, in that with with our residential, commercial, and industrial customers and sectors within that economy continue to grow considerably. Uh, oil and gas continues to grow. Transportation, relative to oil and gas, hospitals, education, those are growth areas for us that continue to to advance. So, uh, and our, our really our investments uh, drive our continued growth. We spend about seven billion in capital every year uh, focused on infrastructure and re- refurbishment of that infrastructure. So that drives consistency in, in the returns that, are, that, are, that we deliver for our shareholders. And
1: can you take advantage of these low treasury rates the, uh, it, because you've got such a great balance sheet to be able to get a good price for the money you need to be able to, re- to constantly build?
2: Oh, that's right. There's there's certainly a a balance sheet expectation there that we deploy capital in a very efficient sense, and we have plenty of places to deploy that capital. As you said, the largest transmission system, the largest distribution, and certainly uh, with what's going on with the advent of of renewables and clean energy technology, there's plenty of areas for growth that we're investing in.
1: All right, so, Nick, let's say we, uh, we close the schools in your area. Let's say people are supposed to work at home in your area. How will that impact American electric power?
2: Well, it's, it's really interesting because uh, we have the most margins in our residential sector. So if people are actually working from home... Uh, we may actually financially be very secure from that perspective because uh, of the margins that we get from the residential versus commercial and industrial. So um, as as we look at our economy, and actually we haven't seen that much impact to our economy because most of the coronavirus activities would occur in, in large metropolitan areas, and we're more mid-sized cities uh, and rural areas. So uh, we will probably uh, see much more resiliency in our territory um, as a result of this ongoing uh, coronavirus issue.
1: No, I want to ask you about a niche business and whether that could threaten AEP someday. Uh, we have a gen on, which is you, know, you take solar power and you are able to put in a battery. Uh, it's niche now. Is this something that AEP worries about that they see a company, you know, individuals kind of disintermediating AEP and having their own electricity?
2: No, absolutely. We're, we plan on being a part of that. Uh, we're putting in microgrids. We just put in a, a, a solution at Notre Dame in partnership with Notre Dame, a solar facility. Uh, we're actually doing that around the country in 38 states. Uh, doing uh, different solar, wind projects, and storage projects as far away as Hawaii. So there's, there's really a, a lot, plenty of opportunities for us to engage with customers, uh, creditworthy counterparty customers that, that really drive continued growth for us as well. So uh, we, we're not afraid of that. Matter of fact, this company is in a very firm fin- foundations from a financial perspective to be able to focus on those aspects of the future that make sense for our customers and the engagement with our customers.
1: And I always tell people when people say, well, Jimmy's utility guys, so I guess they just like coal or something, that I know Nick Aikens. And Nick Aikens has done his absolute best to have as much solar, but particularly wind, as possible. And it looks like you got another chance here, and maybe this one won't be threatened by the interests who don't want you to do wind.
2: Yeah, our North Central project in Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, and Oklahoma, uh, that is well on its way. We got approval in Oklahoma. Uh, We expect to get approval in Arkansas and Louisiana as well, and certainly Texas uh, most likely will follow, hopefully. So, uh, but even that project now is at a point where we're going to, that project is a go, and it's it's the fourth largest in the world if you take all three of these projects together. So, um, very definitely on the regulated side of our business, uh, the, the transition that's occurring to a clean energy economy with renewables and other activities are certainly coming into play.
1: All right. Well, look, let's leave it there, because that's about the most hopeful thing I've heard in the last few weeks. That's Nick Akins. He's chairman, president and CEO of American Electric Power. Nick, always great to see you. Thanks, Jim. See, there are stocks you can own. I've been saying that there is a bull market in utilities. I know you want a bull market in the industrials or maybe you want a bull market in the banks. You've got to take it where you can get it. I offer no false hope, but I will not propagate fear. And always remember, panic is not a strategy. Raise some capital if it would give you peace of mind. But remember what Warren Buffett said, ultimately, you have to buy when others are fearful. And you don't know exactly where the bottom is. But there is a bottom. Of that, I can assure you. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer. See you tomorrow. CNBC's special Report: markets tomorrow starts right now.
2: I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.